Well, the husband thought to himself, he said, man, there's no denying it. My wife literally makes the best pot roast on the face of the planet. In fact, uh, it was one of the things he always looked forward to Sunday after church. On the Sundays that he saw her assembling the pot roast, he was always excited because it was just one of his favorite meals. Uh, but there's one thing in, in the preparation the guy just never understood. Like he, he, he never argued with her over the fact that she could take the roughest piece of meat and make it the most tender, tasteful thing you'd ever had. That, that, was, that was never the issue, but he just didn't understand the preparation because he would watch her and he, she'd put in spices and do those kind of things. That was all normal. But what was weird is every time she made the pot roast, she would cut off both ends and she'd throw the ends in the trash. And, then, and, 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 and she just, he said, why are you doing that? She said, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just what we do. I just assume that's what makes it taste so good. You can't make it taste good just by cutting the ends off. That's not going to make it more tender. See, she said, listen, I don't know. I, I'm just, I, this is the way mom taught me how to make it. And so he just continued to press. He was an engineer. He was trying to think through things. He kind of said to his wife, like, wait, hold on, wait a second. There's no way that cutting the ends off makes it any better. You've you got to call your mom. And so finally she's like, fine, I'll call my mom. We'll settle this right now. She calls her mom. Mom, why do we cut the ends off the pot roast? And her mom says the same thing. She said, I don't know. It's just how we learned to do it. It's, it's, it's Nana's recipe. Right? It's just what we do. And so, so she said, if you, if you want to know the, the answer, I guess you're going to have to call Nana. I, I don't know why we do it. I just know the pot roast is amazing. It's great. She goes, I know it's great. My husband loves it. He calls it the world's best pot roast. But he's asking, why are you cutting the ends off? I, I never have enough to take to work the next day. She said, I don't know. You're going to have to call Nana. So girl calls her Nana. Nana, hey, it's me. Just calling. I have a question. Yeah, sure, honey. Whatever. What do you have? Why do we cut the ends off the pot roast when we make it, you know, the world's best pot roast? Why do we cut the ends off the pot roast? And her nana said, well, sweetie, that's easy. I just never had a pan big enough. <laughs> okay, now some of you have heard that one before. See, the recipe was great. But throughout the generations, it had been greatly misunderstood. Today, we're going to talk about another one of those habits of grace the habit we're going to talk about is meditation. Here's what I hope to show you, is God's recipe for it is great. I just think throughout the generations, it's become misunderstood. To join me in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for meeting with us. Great promise of your word that when two or more are gathered in your name, that you're also here. And so, uh, we're grateful for your presence. Holy Spirit, we want to recognize your place in this church as our teacher, as our guide. We pray that you would come now and that you would lift up Jesus Christ, that you would show us a clear vision of who he is and what he calls us to. King Jesus, as you are lifted up, we pray that you would draw us closer to yourself, closer to your heart, and that if there is any wayward way in us, that you would change it here today. King Jesus, we love you. Father God, we praise you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. It is in Jesus' name we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen. Guys, if we're going to talk about meditation, I think we need to start in the beginning. So grab your Bible and do just that. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to read, starting in verse 26. I'm just going to read verse 26 and 27 of Genesis Chapter 1, it's really important that we understand uh, just the beginnings of, of where we'll, we'll start to grasp why meditation is so important, why it's special for us. 
Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female. So according to the beginning of this great story of God, we're special. Unlike the other creatures, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and all the other creatures that are mentioned, we are the only ones of which it is said we are made in the image of God. We're actually as image bearers, and that means some things, right? To be made in the image of God means that we have God's communicable attributes. It means that we have the, the ability that we're designed to, to think and to reason and, and to decide. It means that we're made with a sense of morality. Some call it a moral compass. I, I like to think of it as a natural law that God has etched on the heart of every man. We're moral creatures. Also means we're created for relationship, just like God is created for relationship. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So we are created to have a relationship with God and to have a relationship with, with others, right? I mean, this is what sets us apart from all of creation. This truth... We are made in the image of God is where our foundational statement for the morning springs from. And I'm going to warn you right now, there's nine things, no, ten things to write down. We've got a banner statement, we've got three observations, we've got three applications, we have three methods. That's ten, okay? So just follow along. We're going to get through it, I think. Springing from this truth that we are made in the image of God comes this, this statement that will hang over our entire talk on medic. Uh, on meditation. Here's, here's our banner statement this morning, just kind of our foundational truth that the whole sermon will be based on. Ready? We were made to meditate. We're actually made, we're actually designed by God, we're actually formed in His image to do this thing, designed to pause and to ponder the divine. Right? We, we are made in the image of God, we are given the ability to think and to reason. We're created for intimacy with the Creator that can only come through experience, knowledge, and understanding. So we're actually designed by God to be like God, and one of the things that, that we're supposed to do to be like God is to think about God. To think about Him. To pause. Hit, hit that pause button in life and, and stop and go, wow, God. To, to think about ourselves and, 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 and to take a deep introspective look and say, Lord, is there any sin in, in my heart? Is there anything that I'm not doing? Like, like we're actually designed to live a, a life where we stop in the middle of all the craziness, in the middle of all the technology. We're actually supposed to stop. Instead of thinking about the meaningless, think about the one that's all meaningful, Right? So we're actually designed for this thing called meditation. So because that is the case, I want to talk about it with you. And I just have three observations for you. All that will kind of hang from this central truth that we are made to meditate. Here's the first thing I want you to see this morning. Ready? That meditation is actually commanded by God. And all throughout the Bible, it is practiced and modeled by the godly. Okay? Meditation is commanded by God. And throughout the Bible, it is a practice that is put put into practice and, and modeled by the godly that we find in the pages of Scripture. So let's start with the commands. I'm, I'm not going to list every single one. I'm just going to pick one from the old and one from the new. So Old Testament, Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. It says, This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. That's a command, by the way. Uh, you are to meditate on it day and night 
so that you may carefully observe everything written in it, for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. I want you to see, there's a little bit of a formula here, which is crazy. So you're supposed to read, read, okay? You have to read to meditate, right? So you're supposed to meditate. You're going to think on the things of God. As you think on that, it's going to cause you to observe them. That's obedience. So meditation leads to obedience, and obedience leads to blessing. Meditation leads to obedience. Obedience leads to blessing. New Testament, Philippians 4.8, we just sang it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. That word dwell in the Greek means to really think about. It means to consider the truth of the words. It, it literally means to meditate on them. Okay, that is the command. So we're commanded throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, to meditate. It's a command of God. But not only is it a command, it's something that's put into practice throughout Scripture by godly men and women. Right? So uh, you guys remember Isaac as we did the story. Remember, right, Isaac? Isaac is the son through whom all the blessings of God are going to come for Abraham, right? Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations, right? Now go take your son Isaac, take your son, your only son, the son that you love, and sacrifice, and this is Isaac, right? And and, and listen to this in Genesis 24, Uh, catch this, it says, "In, in the early evening, Isaac went out to walk in the field, and looking up, he saw camels coming. Now, now, this is where Isaac, this is a big deal in his life, he's going to meet his wife, Rebecca. The one that he, he, he loves dearly. But guess that, that word walk in the Hebrew doesn't mean walk. The, the Hebrew word is suak. And it means to meditate. It means to muse. It means to commune. Isaac wasn't just walking. Yes, he was walking. But as he was walking, he was, he was meditating. He, he was thinking about the things of God. And as he's out thinking about the things of God there in the night, up comes Rebekah. God just happens to bless him. This particular time in his life. It's, it, it's interesting. We, we see the same thing going on in the life of the psalmist. Psalm 1, we, we read this a couple weeks ago. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in, in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. Passage will go on, remember? Meditation leads to obedience, obedience to blessing. That passage goes on. It says, He is like a tree that's planted by the stream, and it always bears its fruit in season. Its leaf never withers. Wow. What a promise, Psalm 1. Listen to the words of King David, Psalm 63. Man after God's own heart. When I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate on you during the night watches because you are my helper. I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I follow close to you. Your right hand holds on to me. Many of us say, I I want to be thought of like David. I want to be a man after God's own heart. I want to be a woman after God's own heart. How do I get that? How do I get to that place? Meditation was a part of David's life. As I lie down, I meditate on you. I meditate on who you are, on what you've done, on who I am. Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the entire Bible, and I won't read the whole thing to you this morning. I'll just say it mentions meditation five times in one psalm. Five times. Five times. So I don't want to beat this into you. I just, I just want to say this plainly. Okay, listen. Meditation is commanded by God, and it is modeled all throughout the Bible by the godly. Okay? It's commanded by God, and it's modeled all throughout the Bible by the godly. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. 
Some of you are like, I had no idea that was a command. Anybody be honest you were in that group? Come on. You never knew that meditation was a command in Scripture, right? Okay? So see, some of you, you're like, I didn't know it was a command. Fine. If it's a command, I'm all in. I'm in. Well, that's good. Well, what are you in for? What are you in for? Because you know what? In our world today, there are a lot of misunderstandings about meditation. So that's what our second point is about. Let's clear up some of those misunderstandings, okay? Christian meditation isn't about emptying your mind. Rather, it's about filling it with the things of God. Okay? Christian meditation isn't about emptying your mind. It's about filling it with the things of God. And I, I want to go back to our pot roast uh, illustration for a second. So the recipe was great, but there was a great misunderstanding about the practice throughout the generations. Same thing, I believe, with meditation. Many Christians have written off meditation altogether because it has been picked up and, and misunderstood by so many other people, especially the Eastern religions, right? The Eastern religions have um, become so well known for meditation that they're actually the ones preaching its benefits instead of us. Right? And you just do a Google search, benefits of meditation, and, and I'm telling you, this stuff is out there all over the place. And here's some of the benefits. Increased focus. Increased immunity. Decreased stress. Decreased depression. Decreased anxiety. Anybody use some of those in their life? Amen? You don't have to go to the drugstore to get them. And, and, and here, here's what I'm going to cement to you, is, is that, that now Eastern religions are preaching... They really are. They're preaching the benefits of meditation. The problem is, right, that what they've ha- what's happened, they've stumbled upon God's recipe. They've just misunderstood its practice. Wow. Think about that. For them, meditation is about emptying. They say you've got to empty your mind. You have to become nothing. It's about complete detachment, Right? But we as Christians, we know what happens if you empty yourself and you don't put anything in its place. Jesus spoke of that in in Luke chapter 11, right? Luke chapter 11, starting verse 24. He says, when an unclean spirit comes out of a person, it roams through the waterless places looking for rest and not finding rest. And then it says, I'll go back to my house, my house, that's ownership, (laughs) that I came from, returning, it finds the house swept and put in order, right? Then it goes and it brings seven other spirits more evil than itself and they enter and they settle down there. As a result, that person's last condition is worse than it was at first. So the goal for the Christian isn't just merely emptying your mind. By the way, when I talk about emptying your mind as a Christian, I'm I'm not talking about any kind of cross your feet in a funky way or burn incense and hum. There's none of that involved. I'm talking about emptying your mind. I'm just saying, turn your phone off. Just get away from the distraction. Get off of Facebook. Like, turn off the TV. You, you, you have to get away from the, the newspaper even. All the things that you, you plugged in. Turn off Fox News. Just get away. Turn off CNN. You're going to have to unplug from that stuff for a moment. So, so that's, that's the part that we talk about. But, but that's not enough. It's not enough to just get away. It's not enough to just go out to the lake and, and, and sit there with God. Well, I'm just communing with the Lord. Are, are you? Or are, are you just sitting in, in kind of nothingness? Or are you filling yourself with the mind, the heart, and the thoughts of God? Because that's the, the goal of meditation. The goal of Christian meditation is filling, not emptying. It's to fill ourselves with the things of God. Uh, Donald Whitney defines it like this. He says, motivation is deep thinking on the truths and the spiritual realities that are revealed in what? 
Scripture. You think your Bible might be important then? Right? It's deep thinking on truths and spiritual realities revealed in Scripture. Okay, or upon life from a what? There it is again. Scriptural perspective. For, here's the purpose, understanding, application, and prayer. That's what it's for. It's the purpose of meditation, understanding, application, and prayer. Tell you what, that is a world away from being nothing, isn't it? That, that is a whole world away from just emptying your mind. No, it, it, it's meant to fill your mind with the things of God. So we're made for meditation. That's kind of our banner statement. It's commanded by God and it's modeled by the godly. First observation. Our second observation, it is not about emptying. It's about filling. Okay? Last thing I want to tell you. As far as our, our observations go. Last one. Ready? Meditation is the missing link to being genuinely moved by God. Meditation is the missing link to being genuinely moved by God. How many of you know the 10-second rule? Come on. Know the 10-second rule? Has anybody ever practiced the 10-second rule? Anybody? Do y'all really not know the 10-second rule? Do you call it the 5-second rule? You call it the 5-second rule. Okay, so it's a 5-second rule, which is probably better because 10 seconds is a long time. So what is the 5-second rule? Right? If, you're, if, if food falls on the floor, you've got up to five seconds. Now, some people go ten, all right? College, it was the ten-second rule because I was poor, all right? And so five seconds, you have five seconds. It may depend on how clean your house is, right? Your house, it may be a five-second rule. Maybe my house is the ten-second rule. I'm just saying, I don't know. Probably the opposite. In my house, it's like a, no, just don't touch it. Just let the dog have it. Let it go. All right. So, so the five-second rule, ten-second rule, you have five or ten seconds, whatever it is, you drop something on the floor to pick it back up. Now, get this. When it comes to Bible reading, Bible intake, which we talked about two weeks ago, there's actually a two-second rule. There's a two-second rule. Maybe you didn't know this. So we're, we're going we're gonna to work this out. I brought my phone just to uh, help out in this process. Open your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. If you knew what I was preaching on, you'd already have it marked. No, just a joke. It's always the benefit of being the pastor. You, you have all the... I'm there. Okay, John 1.1. 1, 1. When you're there, look up here. Okay, when you're there, look up here. Make sure everybody's in John 1.1. 1, 1. So we're going to do a little experiment. In a second, I'm going to say go. And you're just going to start reading John, starting in John 1. Don't just read John 1.1, 1, 1, but just start reading all of John 1. I'll tell you when to stop, okay? That's what you're going to do. Just, just a little quick experiment, okay? All right? So, so are you guys ready? Get your Bible open. Everybody have the readers on if you need readers. Okay? Otherwise, this is not going to work. If you need readers and you don't have your readers, you're going to be like, oh, I got nothing. Um, so here, 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 here we go. Okay? On your mark, get set, go. Stop. Okay? What verse are you on? Got four... Got a four. Anybody on five? Okay. So, so, okay. So, listen. We got one five. Here's the deal. They say it takes the average person about two seconds to read one verse in the Bible. It takes the average person about two seconds to read one verse in the Bible. Okay? Got it? So, that means in a minute, we read how many verses? That's half a sixty. Thirty. Right? 
So in one minute, we read 30 verses. If we read our Bible for 10 minutes a day, we're taking in about 300 verses of the Word of God. That's about, you know, I read my Bible. If you got in 10 minutes of Bible reading, 10 minutes of Bible intake, you did pretty good. But here's the deal. Even committed Bible readers that are reading their Bible for 10 or even more or 20 minutes a day, what they find oftentimes, they get frustrated because they read and they read and they read, but they feel like they can't remember what they've read. And do you know why? Because you had 300 verses flash across your mind in a matter of 10 minutes and you couldn't walk away remembering anyone in particular. Do you know why? Because two seconds, I want you to write this down, ready? Two seconds will rarely move you. I'm going to say that again. Two seconds will rarely move you. That's what the two second rule is about when it comes to Bible intake. We read a verse every two seconds seconds. So if you spend 10 minutes reading your Bible, you cover 300 verses and you can't remember hardly any of them. Maybe just the last one you read. That's where meditation comes in. Okay? Two seconds will rarely move you. That's where meditation comes in. I love how Donald Whitney puts it in his his great book uh, on spiritual disciplines. He says, the failure to linger is the reason many fail to remember. The failure to linger is the reason that many of us fail to remember or, or find our hearts warmed by the fire of God's Word. I want you to think of it like this with me. I brought a little illustration this morning. We're getting a little packed up here. This is fine. It's going to be good. Stay. Don't. That's not going to work. Okay. <clears throat> Anybody like to drink tea? Good tea drinkers, okay. So here's our illustration. This is chamomile. It, uh, it's honey, oh no, it's honey lavender. Is what It's supposed to help with stress. I'm going to drink it here when we're done. All right. So, let's see here. You guys may know where I'm headed. If, if I can get the, that is the slowest. It's going to be a while for this illustration. Hold on one second. There we go. Now listen, I know that's not the clearest water you ever saw, but it came out of a coffee filter, okay? So, just deal with it. All right. Imagine it's crystal clean, wonderful, and great. It's not bad. It's not bad. Okay. So, count with me. We're going to do the Mississippis, because that's how I grew up playing football. You had a 10 Mississippi rush. So, so give, me, give me two Mississippis out loud, will you? Okay, go ahead. Okay. Anybody want to drink it? What's it going to taste like? Hot water, Right? So what's the key? Saying, you're saying that one Mississippi, two, that's not going to change it, is it? What, is, what does the water need? It needs the tea to steep. It needs it to sit. It needs it to rest. Same thing with the Word of God, right? Two-second soak, two-second soak isn't going to stick with you. The Word of God needs to steep inside of your mind, inside of your heart, inside of your spirit. It needs to sit there for a period of time. All right? So that's what, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how to do that. So I'm going to shift over to application uh, for a minute uh, here in a second. But, but I just I want, to, I want to say this. I love, Mathis says that, that this thing, meditation, is about filling our mind with biblical content and then chewing on that content until we begin to feel its magnitude. It, it, it's like a... The difference, if, if, our, if our land is really dry, what, what do we want? Do we want a steady rain or do we want a torrential downpour? You want a steady rain because if you get a torrential downpour, what happens? It all runs off. 
Bible intake is huge. It's important. We have to read the Bible. But if we read the Bible for 10 or 20 minutes a day, that's like a downpour. We go through 10 minutes, 300 verses. 20 minutes is 600 verses of Scripture. All runs off. All runs off. What we need is that spirit of meditation where it's just a steady downpour for a period of 5 or 10 minutes that we just think on a, a, a smaller segment of the Word of God. And so uh, this is what I'm going to encourage you to try this week. Okay, application, three things. Number one, read. Read. You've got to start there. Okay? If you're not reading the Scripture, you can't meditate on the Scripture. It's pretty hard to do. Okay? So you have to read. We talked about this two weeks ago. Find a Bible reading plan. Pick a book of the Bible. I wouldn't start with Leviticus, okay? Like, start with John somewhere. I mean, I mean pick a book. Of the, start with Romans. That's a great one to, to think about. But just begin to read the Word of God. Say, so how long do I read? That's up to you. Read for five minutes. Read for ten minutes. Read for twenty minutes. Whatever you want to do. Read a chapter. Read two chapters. Read three chapters. Whatever your, your reading plan calls for. But, but you start by reading. Now, here's the deal. As you read, Ready? As you read, either, I know this is crazy for some of you, you can write in your Bible. Okay? Highlight, put a, put a star by. As you read, just anything that catches your attention, just highlight it, underline it, and just keep reading. Just keep reading on. Oh, yeah, wow, that's really cool. And, and you're going to do that, okay? So first thing you do is read. You've got to read your Bible. You've got to. It, it, is, it is the number one transformative thing in the life of, of believers. Nothing comes close to changing somebody's life as, as daily interaction with the Scripture itself, okay? So we start there. So after we read, here's what we do. Ready? Return. Return. So you just read through the text. You, you underlined a few things that stood out. And, and now when it comes to the whole meditation thing, what are you going to do? You've got to return back to the thing that stood out. What was, what was the verse that really stuck with you? Or maybe it's, maybe it's a word or it's a phrase. And you go, man, I, I got to know what this word justification means. And you're going to spend the rest of the morning figuring out what justification means. That's great. Okay? But you, you read and then you return to that phrase. Turn to that verse. Okay? Last thing you do here is you meditate. You meditate on that smaller section that you were drawn to. You meditate. Now... Again, that means to think about, okay? means to put yourself there. Yes, you can use your imagination. I know most of us lost that when we were 11, okay? But yes, you can, you can put yourself in the text. You can think about it. So because we're that way, um, I, I, I'm saying 11. I can't remember how old the kids were in Peter Pan that they stopped believing, right? Um, you follow me comes a stage in life, we, we start kind of growing up, and we, we, we don't imagine as much. We, I, I, love, I love my younger children, because, you know, like my old, like Cole just wants to play stuff. Like, can we play basketball? Can we play football? That's great. My, like, my daughter is like, Daddy, we're going to walk into a magical world today, where there's mermaids and penguins. And I'm like, wow, where'd you get that from? It's just, it's just all up in her head, right? She's awesome. Because we have kind of passed that age or we don't imagine much anymore. Um, I want to give you some methods, some ways to think about Scripture, okay? So I wrote down three. Now, again, Whitney in his book on, on uh, the spiritual disciplines, man, he has 17 methods you can try. I thought that was a bit much to throw at you this morning. So I just I jotted down uh, three, three methods that I like to use, and uh, here is the first. Ready? Um, I just call it working through the words. Working through the words. So let's say that I'm reading John 1. You guys made it through four verses. But let's say I read chapter 1. 
So I read all of chapter 1. I got down to, to verse 14, you know, where, where it talks about the Word becoming flesh, dwelling among us, observing His glory, all that kind of stuff. And so then, but what really stood out to me was the beginning of, of the chapter of John, just the first five verses. They, it really stood out to me. And so how, how do you work through the words? It's, it's, it's pretty basic. It's just, and again, if you have your Bibles and you're John chapter 1, maybe it's like this, in, in the beginning. In the beginning, wait a second. Now, I've read the chapter, so I know that this beginning, because it's going to say in a few verses that, that uh, all things were made through Jesus. So then this must be a beginning before the beginning. So I just stopped and think, wait, wait a second. So in the beginning, before the beginning, says was the word, capital W. Wow. That capital W word, I know in verse 14, became flesh. This is my Jesus. In the beginning, before the beginning, was my Jesus. Right? And, and, and what does it say next? And, and, and my Jesus was with God. In the beginning, before the beginning, was my Jesus, and he was with my dad. <laughs> there, in the beginning. It's who he was, right? And I'm, just, I'm just beginning to let my mind wander about the beauty and the majesty of this verse. And, and more than that, in the beginning, before the beginning, was my Jesus, and he was my, my father, and, and my Jesus was God. <laughs> he didn't just magically become God. He was always God. Jesus is eternal. He's, he's, he's God. He, he's there in the beginning with, with the Father and the Spirit. And it goes on. It says, ready? All things were created through Him. All things. Not, not, not some things. Not, not just holy things. Not just a couple things. All things. God, I'm, I'm a thing. You made me, Jesus. You made me. Wow. You made my wife. You made her perfect for me. You made those three rowdy boys to fill a hole that I never knew I had. And you brought me that beautiful princess. You made her. And you formed her. And she was meant to be mine. She's meant to be mine. I got to adopt her like you adopted me. And I'm just working through the text. I'm just thinking about it in light of the Lord. Right? And you could go on in him, in him, not outside of him, but only in him, is life. Real life, true life, full life. Right? Do you see what we're doing? We're just, we're just walking, just word by word, just through the text, and we're, just, we're, we're putting pieces together of our knowledge of the word of God. You guys follow me? Okay? So that's one way to do it. Call it working through the words. Okay? Another way to do it. Ready? Uh, I just call this in your own words. In your own words. Another way to meditate, believe it or not, is to have a journal uh, nearby, a pen and a sheet of paper, or, or maybe your, your laptop, and you have it open. Right? You know, you're not on the internet. You just have it open into a Word document, something like that. And, and the goal here is that when you read, you go back to the things that you highlighted, and, and you just try to put those things in your own words, Right? I mean, so again, if I'm in John 1, and I'm, I'm trying to tell this, like, like, in the beginning, before the beginning, was my Jesus, and he was with my Father, and everything that I see and everything that I don't see was made by him, including me. Including me. Man, Jesus, you're good. In you is the only place I can find life, only in you. I can't find it outside of you. I've got to remain in the vine, Right? Because you're the vine, I'm the branches. And if I'll remain in you, I know that I can bear fruit. In you is where life is. And I'm just, I'm just going to begin to write it in my own words. The experience of John 1. Follow me? 
Does it make sense? This is yes, this is no, this is I am so confused and you're freaking me out. Okay? So we're just working through the word of God. Uh, Last method, last method. The application method. I love this method. Um, I, I, I would encourage you, you can put some of these methods together. <gasps> you, can, you can work through the words, you can write it in your own words, and you can end here still with the application method. The application method is something like this. Lord, I'm not closing your word until you speak to my heart about what I can do because of what I've read. Okay? Lord, I'm not closing your word until you speak to my heart about what I can do because of what I've read. I'm in John 1. And I read, nothing was created without Jesus. Nothing. Everything that I know and see was made by Jesus. And maybe my application point for the day is, God, I realize how busy I've become and how I either walk around this world with my head down or in some mind fog because I'm attached to some stupid device. But not today. Today, God, I will see you. Jesus, today I will see you in in the gnats that are flying around my face. (laughs) And today I will see you in the flowers that are blooming in my backyard. And today I will see you in in the bees that are buzzing around. And today I'm going to see you in the birds that are chirping. And today I'm going to see you in the sun that is shining. I'm going to see you in the rain that is falling. I'm going to see you in the wind that is blowing. I'm going to see you in the face of my children and in the arms of my wife. Today I will see you in, in, in the mercy and the kindness of a stranger. Today, God, I will choose to see you everywhere I go. I will see you in the grocery store when I pick the shortest line and it ends up being the longest line. I will give thanks because you gave me another moment to pray. I will choose to see you today, God, and I leave and I keep it before me all day long. All things were made by you and for you, Jesus, and I'm going to think about it all day long. I'll tell you what, you want a different day, brother. (laughs) You want a different day? Try that one on for size. You follow me? That's what we're talking about. Moving beyond the two-second intervals of Scripture and allowing the Word of God, you see it now, right? To steep inside of us. To change our essence, our image, and yes, even our flavor. That's pretty good. Do you guys pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. It is good, it is right, and it is what we need. Lord, um, would you forgive us for all the ways we often fail you? And, And Lord, I fear this is one of those ways that many of us in this room have failed. You call us to this. You call us to stop and to meditate and to think about you. And the truth is, God, we are consumed by other things that do not matter. We need to hear from you. God, if we have any chance, if we have any hope of becoming people that practice meditation, we need you to convict our hearts about how busy and connected we've become with things that don't matter. 
We need you to convict our hearts this morning of our need to meditate and of the fact that you have actually created us for this. God, would you change the way we view ourselves and the way we've been living? And would you call us away from the things that don't matter and into the God that infinitely matters? Please. Please. In your name we ask these things. Amen. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. Uh, just where you are. We've been doing this through the series. We're going to continue to do it. If you just bow your heads where you are. Right? Just where you are. I've asked you to be open-handed during this time. I want you to continue to do that. Uh, kind of make a little open-handed gesture there. And we're going to pray a simple prayer, just like we've been praying all along. Okay, ready? Just pray this with me this morning. Dear God, forgive me for all the things that I've filled these hands with. For all the things that I've filled my life with. I know what I need is you. Please help me hit the pause button. Help me make the time to stop and to let your word sink in. Let it seep into my spirit, to my mind, into my heart. Let it change me from the inside out. God, I've heard today that I was made for this. I've heard today that you have commanded this of me. And I've heard today that this is the key to being moved by you. And God, I say, please come and move me. Amen. Amen.